0: You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. We are no longer at lockedonpackers.com, just in case you go there regularly. We're going to launch new websites. Coming at some point soon, but for now, keep an eye out. We use the Megaphone platform to publish, and that's what I've been tweeting from. We're going to have a, a host site that is going to house these podcasts at some point in the future. We are working on a deal to get that done. But in the meantime, the best way to make sure you don't miss a Locked on Packers episode is to subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Spotify or, or Google Play or whatever uh, podcast app you use, make sure you're getting Locked On Packers every day because that's what we do. We are here every single day. And if you want to get in contact with the show, if you want to send us some feedback, if you want to send us a question, you can do that at the On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. Matthew Fairburn from the Athletic Buffalo is on the show today, and I promised myriad Buffalo guests we are going to get that this week. Matthew Fairburn, uh, formerly of Syracuse.com, which is how I knew him as a Syracuse graduate, but he is now at the the Athletic Buffalo doing tremendous work there. And before we get to that, I want to I want to clean up some news notes from Wednesday as we move into Thursday and then through the end of the week. Um, But before we do that, let's start with a question from the Locked On Packers fan hotline. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Peter. Colin from Kansasville, Wisconsin here. Big fan of your show and try to show everyone an episode when we were talking about the games. My question is... What, if anything, has Joe Philbin brought back? I expected him to be a big lift to this team in terms of giving us a bit of variety and gadgets, maybe like 2014. But as you said, the Packers look as vanilla as we have been. We haven't changed a bit, at least so far. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, Colin. I think after, after watching this game in particular, um, I'm a little less down on the offense as I was maybe a week or two ago. And the reason is Green Bay's play calling against Washington was actually very good. There were open receivers everywhere. The problem was execution. If the offensive line didn't block well, guys were running free, guys were open. If the offensive line did block well, then Aaron Rodgers found his target and it was dropped. And if the offensive line did block well and Aaron Rodgers didn't find his target, there were guys open and he missed them. So it was just one of those games where Green Bay wasn't in sync. And Mike McCarthy hinted at this on Wednesday. He pointed out that Aaron Rodgers is the straw that stirs the drink. That was the metaphor that he used with the Green Bay Packers. And when you don't have your quarterback at practice every day, that timing, that rhythm is not the same. And Mike McCarthy made what is a very simple, but I think an important and often overlooked point. If they didn't think practice was important, they wouldn't practice. But it is important, so they do. So the fact that Rodgers, this is going to be another week where he is not going to practice, but is likely going to play, the offense does not have the same ability to grow and adapt and and evolve with Rodgers because he's not practicing. And I, I do think it's worth pointing out that they've played three really good defenses, and they're playing a fourth this week. So that has that has not helped. And then the other problem is in two of the three games, the defense has not shown up early on, and so they can't play with balance. You saw against Minnesota, when they were able to keep that game close early, the running game, they were able to play with balance, they were able to do a number of different kinds of things, and that makes their offense so much more dangerous than it would otherwise be. I want to get to... A couple notes on the Bills before we get to Matthew Fairburn. So let's do that here. I, I went back and watched that Minnesota game, and a couple things stood out to me. Number one, Josh Allen really impressed me from a physical standpoint. He is big. He is physical. He can run. He can take off. He hurdled Anthony Barr on one play and beat him to the corner of the end zone on another. He's also willing to stand in the pocket and take hits. He, If you blitz him, that's fine. Do that. And, and you can confuse him, but he's going to stand in there and take shots. He's going to stand in there and make throws, much the way Kirk Cousins did two weeks ago, much the way Alex Smith did last week. Green Bay has been getting pressure. And in fact, when they blitz, they're one of the most effective teams in football at getting home and creating pressure on the quarterback. The problem is they're not getting it done on early downs, and so they're not getting into enough of third and six, seven, eight, nine, ten-plus because teams are throwing on them on early downs, and they're it's third and three, it's third and four, and Mike Patton can't dial up these really great concepts that he has. Now, we know the situation with Jerry Hughes, and we'll talk about that with Matthew Fairburn. He was a one-man wrecking crew against Minnesota, but this is a very good defensive front, inside, outside, in the linebacker group. And so Green Bay is going to have to take advantage of this cornerback group much like they did against Washington and and again as I said earlier they did take advantage of Washington's secondary Randall Cobb they couldn't cover Randall Cobb it was just that Cobb couldn't make the catches that he needed to make and Rogers missed some opportunities and the receivers when Rogers gave them the opportunities blew those opportunities so This needs to be a sharper week for the Green Bay Packers, their receivers, their quarterbacks, because the only cornerback worth having any conversation about is Tredavious White, and he is mostly going to play left corner. There was a lot of conversation over the last few days that, oh, he's matching more, he's following number one receivers. That's not really true. At least it wasn't last week, and there was this big groundswell behind, oh, well, he shut down Stephon Diggs. Well, he he played well against Stephon Diggs. Diggs also put him on his ass twice with a route. I mean, legit dropped him to the point where Trey White fell down. So he's best in in zone coverage, and he only traveled away from his typical position maybe three, four, max five times against Minnesota. And it was obvious passing situations when, when Minnesota was already down and needed to pass. If Green Bay can stay ahead in this game, they can put Devontae Adams on the other side of the field and not even worry about Tredavious White. And it it won't matter where White is because Randall Cobb is still going to be able to create openings for himself. And they can put Allison in the slot and get him free. And they can put Jimmy Graham in the slot and get him free. This is a game that, that Green Bay, and I said this yesterday on the crossover show, if they can protect Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay is going to win. Now, Brian Bulaga was a limited participant in practice. It looked like he was going to be a, a stretch to play. It's much better than we originally thought. Justin McCray is not going to play, so that's going to be Byron Bell starting at right guard. They need Brian Bulaga to play. If they can if they can get Bulaga and Bakhtiari in this game, they have a very good chance of protecting Rodgers, and that means much more success for this offense. And we're going to talk about this with Matthew, but... It's hard for me to believe that this offense in Buffalo is going to score a bunch of points if they don't create a bunch of turnovers, and that's just not what Green Bay is. That has been the number one focus for Mike McCarthy for years, is not turning the ball over. Rodgers is not a turnover-prone quarterback. It's probably his best attribute. And so if Green Bay doesn't turn the ball over and they protect Aaron Rodgers, not only do they win, they win by two scores. I mean the line is right now nine and a half, open to ten and a half. I think, you know, some of the injuries has brought that line down. People like the Buffalo defense. I get that, but this is this is easily a touchdown game or likely more. We're gonna bring in Matthew Fairburn from the Athletic in just a second. But before we do, if you can't read the content that he puts out there because you're not a member of the Athletic. What are you waiting for? Locked on Packers subscribers and and listeners get a discount. I want to give you a subscription to The Athletic to get all of the content that they provide. This is a great example of why The Athletic makes sense for you. You don't just get the Green Bay Packers content. If you want to go in and get the stuff that Tim Graham or Matthew Fairburn create for Buffalo in a week where the Bills play the Packers, That's a great opportunity for you where you don't have to go searching for the local Buffalo newspaper and try and find their reporting on the bills. You can just go to The Athletic and it's all there for you. Go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers to get 40% off your first year subscription. That's $2.99 a month. That's way less than you pay for Hulu or Netflix or Spotify or any of those other subscription based services that you already use and pay money for. And what's even better is The Athletic, they don't have ads, pop-ups, auto plays. all of the clutter that you normally get at a sports website is not there at The Athletic. And what's more, I want to give it to you at a discount. Go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers to get 40% off your first year. Fresh and clean, so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get to Matthew Fairborn. He is at Matthew Fairburn, that's double T, Matthew Fair, F-A-I-R-B-U-R-N, on Twitter. He's the Buffalo Bills beat writer for The Athletic. He's a great follow on Twitter. I highly recommend that you do that. Matthew, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Oh, thanks for having me. So I think one of the interesting things about about this Bills season so far actually goes back to last year because – this was a playoff team and I know that that is hard to remember when you see them in week 1 and you you hear about oh they're starting Josh Allen and before that they were starting Nathan Peterman what happened that made them fall so far because from what we saw of Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland it doesn't seem like that's the, that's the difference here
2: Yeah, you know, I I think transitioning quarterbacks is part of it but it's probably A smaller part of it than people realize, you know, last year when Sean McDermott got here and then a few months later, Brandon Bean took over as the general manager, they started to kind of tear this roster down a little bit. You know, they traded away Sammy Watkins, traded away Ronald Darby, uh, you know, young cornerstone players uh, from the previous regime, and they weren't shy about, you know, they traded Marcel Darius midseason and moved on from a lot of guys that, you know, people expected to be in Buffalo for longer. Um, And I think they surprised themselves by how competitive they were. Last year, the AFC had a down year. Tyrod Taylor took care of the football. They ran the ball really well, um, you know, behind a good offensive line and snuck into the playoffs on an Andy Dalton miracle throw. And all of a sudden, you know, the expectation level, maybe nationwide was raised a little bit of, Hey, this is a playoff team entering 2018, but they continued to tear things down. They traded Cordy Glenn. They unexpectedly lost Eric Wood and Richie incognito to retirement. And then all of a sudden, you know, they were loading up draft picks, trying to get a young quarterback. And now you're seeing, I think the real effect of tearing this roster down to the studs, because there's not a ton of talent on offense. They lost all those guys I mentioned on the offensive line And didn't really replace them with anybody substantial so you know you're looking at a team that can't block quite as well you've got a young quarterback not a lot of receivers there's some money invested on defense and they they played well on that side of the ball in Minnesota but they're still in what they consider the early stage of their rebuild and what they think is a three to four year rebuild so I think that's part of the the lag effect here in twenty eighteen of the results you know they were there against Minnesota they weren't there before, and it's because they really did uh tear this roster down to the bare bones, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and they haven't quite gotten around to rebuilding it. I mean they have fifty million in dead cap this year, which I think is roughly twice what the next closest team in the league has, so they Oof cleaned up their salary cap they'll have 90 million in cap space next year, bunch of draft picks. They think that's when they can make a real push and they they recognize that they're going to take some lumps this year.
0: Yeah, as I look at this offensive roster, I mean, th- you mentioned the holes at offensive line and they are myriad, of course. Uh no consistent receiving weapons at least on the outside with the actual receivers is is it the case that really the only way this team is going to move the ball or score points consistently is by playing defense the way that they did the last six or so quarters?
2: I think so. I think, you know, playing complimentary football like that is very important for how this team is built right now, because, you know, the, the bills got a lot of short fields last week because of the defense forcing turnovers and, and punts and, you know, causing the Vikings to make a lot of mistakes and, and, I think that's where the game becomes a lot more manageable for a young quarterback. Now, Josh Allen had a good game last week. He was creating a lot of plays with his legs, uh, scored two touchdowns rushing. He hurtled over Anthony Barr on one (laughs) third down play. I mean, and the throws he had to make were relatively easy ones. You know, guys were getting schemed open and he was hitting the open guys and playing within himself. He's only able to do that when, you know, the defense allows them to play with a lead and, but the defense I think played as well as it did because they were playing with a lead for the first time. So it all kind of plays off of each other. And the bills made a big part of their identity last year, forcing turnovers. And there's a lot of variance in that. Some of that, you know, is luck and you're not going to get those turnovers every week. You can't really count on that. And so last week it worked out, they got a lot of turnovers, got a lot of short fields and turned those into points, but I think they need to find a way to, you know, score points and play good defense when they're not getting the turnovers, which is has been a trickier part for this Bills defense over the last couple of years.
0: Well, and when you're breaking in a new quarterback, he's a rookie, and trying to find things that that work for him. If you were going to, not necessarily, you know, schematically, but I just mean from a skill standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, all of those things. What do you think the Bills need to do to put Josh Allen in a in a position to succeed and grow with this team? Because the options, you know, skill-wise are so limited and the blocking, you know, may, may be a challenge all season.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of what you saw last week is what they're going to try to do. You know, offensive coordinator Brian Dable made a point to. Put in a lot of quick throws and, you know, get him on the move a little bit to to move the pocket and get the ball out of his hands a lot quicker than it was coming out uh, against Baltimore and against L.A. in the two weeks prior. And I think what you saw was a lot more uh, in control. Uh, You know, Josh Allen was a lot more in control of the game because the ball was coming out quickly. They like to do a lot of play action pass because uh, that's something Josh Allen's pretty successful with. And. They're pretty okay, okay with him just running. Uh, they're all right with that. I mean, there were times last week where they had to have been cringing because he was taking some big hits, and I don't think he's quite learned uh, how to get down and how to avoid some of that contact because mm-hmm. he, he's a little bit naive. Uh, you know, he's the one thing I'll say about him is he's not overwhelmed by the position he's in and by the you know. A lot of people would say, oh, my God, he's got no offensive line, no receivers. He's playing in Minnesota against that defense. You know, that's going to destroy him mentally. It's not really the case with this kid. When I talked to Micah Hyde after the game, he was like, I don't think he knows what he just did. He's like, I think he he doesn't really get it. Maybe 10 years from now he will, maybe 20 years. But he's like, he's just going out there and having fun. He really likes to play football, and he's really competitive. And so – I think that's where he's kind of just letting it all hang out and, and being playing a little bit loose. I think you saw that last week. Now, I'll be curious to see how he handles when things aren't going well or when they don't get to play with a lead. That's when it's a little bit tougher to be um, you know, as free-flowing as he was in week three against
0: the Vikings. One of the things that that really stood out up from that that Bills Vikings game, there were there were two players defensively who absolutely dominated their matchups: Jerry Hughes and Tre'Davious White. And it was Marshawn Lattimore last year that got a lot of the accolades as the rookie corner. And I think people missed how good Tre'Davious White was as a rookie. Uh, there they don't seem to be missing it this year. Uh, it was it was mentioned a lot. I saw on social media how well he defended Stefan Diggs in that game. Uh, Are we are we looking at the emergence of, you know, one of the best cornerbacks in football full stop? I think so.
2: I I mean, this defense, especially last year, there was a lot of zone coverage. And I think maybe that's where Tredavious White got undersold a little bit. You know, people didn't think um, in this scheme he was necessarily worthy of the same praise as a Marshawn Lattimore. But I mean, they they played it on the same field last year. Both are really, really good. But Tredavious White is every bit the corner he is. And this year, the difference is he's getting a chance to show it. They're having him follow the best receiver around the field. Part of that is because they don't have uh, a ton uh, across from him, I guess. So he kind of mm-hmm. has to take away that, that top guy and follow the guy around the field. But he's it's giving him a chance to showcase what he can do in man coverage and all types of coverage really. And he's been up to the task, uh, with every challenge. I mean, he shut down Keenan Allen and shut down Stefan Diggs, as you mentioned. And I think as you know, the season goes on, he, you know, maybe he'll be tested more and more, but teams are avoiding him at the moment. I mean, Stefan Diggs had 17 yards last week. So, uh, you know, teams aren't throwing Trey White's, way very often. And, uh, you know, he's not shy about saying that, you know, he can he can become that top corner in the league. He thinks he's the best cornerback in the league. And I think the longer the season goes on, the more people might start, uh, you know, believing that.
0: We'll get back to Matthew in just a second. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have asked me for advice, fantasy football advice pick advice, betting advice. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you should check out my bookie. Remember, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I always tell my listeners about MyBookie.ag. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews and their mobile site is easy to use. They have live in-game betting, over unders on fantasy points scored, so you don't have to have any sort of intimate knowledge of how gambling works or betting works. You can go to mybookie.ag and win right away. But here's the thing, they're so popular right now and so slammed with new betters that they want to give everyone the best service possible. So, if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play if you deposit $100 or more. And no matter what you deposit, up to $1,000, MyBookie will match that deposit dollar for dollar. Enter the promo code LOCKDOWN25 to get that $25 in bonus play mybookie.ag you play, you win you get
1: paid Matt Williamson brings the scouts perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast
0: we gotta talk 2018 quarterbacks Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson but the lowest But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league.
1: Here, Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right, back to Matthew. So we, we, we've seen the worst of the Bills so far this season, or at least we, we think so, we hope so. Uh, and we've probably seen about as good as they can play last week. Um, you know, as we see year in and year out the answer tends to be somewhere in in the middle for what these teams are but just just by your eyes are they closer to the team we saw on Sunday or closer to the team that we saw in week one or two
2: I think defensively they're definitely closer to what we saw in Minnesota that was the one big surprise from the first couple of weeks was how poorly the defense played Mm. because they invested a lot of money in that defense you know Star Latulale got a big contract. Trent Murphy got a big contract. They drafted Harrison Phillips and Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, They drafted Taron Johnson as their nickel corner. That defense is almost built, I mean, in their image. It's almost all guys that they brought in. And so the expectation was that this would be a much better defense. And last year it was a good defense. So for them to play the way they did against the Ravens and in the first couple of quarters against the Chargers was a big surprise. Now I'm not saying they're going to dominate the way they did against the Vikings each and every week, but I think they'll be closer to that team than the team they were, you know, the first six quarters. On offense, it's a little bit tough to say. I still don't have a ton of uh, you know, faith in them becoming you know growing into a an offense that's going to light up the scoreboard and get into shootouts with teams but if they play under control um, the way they did against the Vikings they're probably not going to melt down the way they did against the Ravens either I mean they have to be closer to what they were against Minnesota than they they are to what they were against Baltimore because they don't have Nathan Peterman at quarterback anymore. So, you know, I think the low is you see that with Nathan Peterman, you probably at least have a higher floor with Josh Allen. Uh, A lot will depend on how he grows. And, uh, you know, if LaShawn McCoy can get back to 100% and, you know, find some room to run behind this offensive line, they're going to have a lot of growing pains there. But this defense I think is for real and will start to play a little bit more like they did against Minnesota more consistently as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, it's going to be four straight weeks for the Packers against really, really good defenses. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if we look up at the end of the year and Chicago, Minnesota, Washington and Buffalo are all top eight defenses in football. Uh, I can't, I can't let you get out of here without giving me a prediction. The line right now, 10 and a half for Green Bay. I don't know if, if that is solely based on the play that we've seen this year. I don't think that line is totally fair, at least not the last couple weeks. What is your feel for this game?
2: I still think the Packers are going to win the game. I mean, I know the Bills went into Minnesota and pulled off what is arguably, I, I think it might be the biggest upset in NFL history. It's... 17-point dogs don't win often, and when they do win, they've never won by the margin that the Bills won by. So that was a pretty shocking result, I think, for Vegas. Ten and a half points is is a big line, and I think if Aaron Rodgers were 100% healthy, then that maybe would be fair, but I think this defense can you know, hold the Bills somewhat in the game and, and keep it reasonable. I'll still say the Packers win. 27 to 13. Uh, I think you know the Bills will have a hard time uh, getting it going two weeks in a row on offense. I just think if if they don't get those early turnovers in the short fields, the offense might struggle. They still, I think, are going three and out on 50 something percent of their drives, so it's still an offense very much a work in progress. And I think the Packers will will be able to come out of this game
0: with a win. Green Bay has also forced a ton of three and outs uh, almost the entire second half for Washington, as well as they played in the first half. Uh, I think they only had two out of six drives that that were not three and outs. And one of those was a four play drive. So uh, Green Bay has been has been good at, at doing that. So so we'll see. Uh, Matthew, let my audience know where they can see more of your work.
2: Yeah, you can find all of my work and. In- All the work everybody else uh, on our NFL team is doing at theathletic.com slash NFL. And you can find me on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn.
0: Great. Thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. I want to thank Matthew again for joining the show. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports will be on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit more bills, but he is also an NFL draft guy. So we're going to break down Josh Allen a little bit. I want to talk about some of these rookies. And we'll get to your questions as we normally do on Friday. Talk about injuries and all of those things. LaShawn McCoy was back at practice in a limited fashion yesterday. So we'll see what he looks like today. We'll see where he is tomorrow. He did not play against Minnesota and it didn't matter. Chris Ivory played extremely well in his place. But he's not LaShawn McCoy. So if McCoy plays, that would be a huge boost for this Buffalo Bills offense. But as we talked about with Matthew, it's just going to be hard for them to score points. And Green Bay, as I wrote for Acme Packing Company yesterday, they are a a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde defense. And if they can cut out some of that inconsistency, and this is a great week to do it against a bad offense, they can really be a quality defense. And I think Bashad Braylon brings a lot of the kind of thing that they want in a cornerback, physical, man coverage, press coverage. Just take your guy and say, look, don't worry about me. I got him. Now, Buffalo this week, you don't have to worry about anybody because Calvin Benjamin is not very good and Zay Jones is not very good. And beyond that, I, I mean, I could I could list the names of the players that they have, and I promise you they were not drafted in any of your fantasy leagues. You, you probably don't even recognize the names. I do this for a living, and I don't even recognize some of these names. I, I'm looking at this list going, wait, who are these people? How did they get there? Where did they come from? What is happening here? So Green Bay certainly has an advantage there. And this is, again, this is a game that that Green Bay should absolutely win. I understand the circumstances last week. They they got caught in a little bit of a Washington tsunami, a perfect storm of great execution and great play calling. Uh, Sloppy conditions really favored the Washington front, and they got after Rodgers a little bit. He's banked up, so he wasn't able to maneuver in the same way he would normally be able to. So that was a little bit of a wonky situation. Green Bay is going to have a better opportunity this week, not just because the Bills are a much less impressive opponent, but because they should play better and they should, they should be in a better position to succeed. We're talking about week four. Now this it's time for this team to get its ass in gear and you should get your ass in gear. Frankly, and you should follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You should follow the podcast on Twitter at locked on Packers. If you want to send us a note at the locked on Packers fan hotline, I would love for you to do that at 920-341-3775. Always there for you to be a part of this show because the reason we keep doing it is because you keep listening, and we so appreciate that you do that. So hit us up there. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hit us up on Twitter and let us know why you stay Locked On packed.